Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. Uh, I feel like it's the first official off-season show because, yeah. like, yes, you know, we, we broke down the ending of the World Series last episode, uh, but I don't know. This feels like it's truly off-season, like, for real this time. Yes. I mean, I we don't have any uh, any any baseball like you know we don't have any games to talk about yes you know it's just been kind of uh dark and dreary and and without baseball but you know here we are trying trying to lighten things up a little bit yeah uh we're gonna be talking about awards today uh but before that we'll get into um we'll get into uh some of the managerial changes that we never highlighted during the postseason because there was you know more important stuff going on if we're honest uh so we'll go over that and um you know a big contract was already signed uh and big uh big executive change occurring <laughs> with the world series champions yeah which is kind of hilarious um but yeah uh i guess we'll start off with the ma- managerial changes there were there's four four uh four teams will have uh Fully new managers in 2023. Uh, and uh, we'll start with the Kansas City Royals, who fired Mike Matheny. We kind of knew he was never really the long-term goal of the team. Uh, and, you know, they parted ways with him, hired this guy, Matt Quattraro. Quatra- mm. um, Who's a upstate New York baby. Yeah, he... He uh, grew up like ten minutes away from where you uh, Correct. live. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they hired Matt Quattraro. What what have what have you read up on on uh, Mr. Quattraro? Not much other than Bethlehem Central. <laughs> that's that's, that's really kind of where. I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all in. Yeah. I think this is a fantastic hire. Uh. I don't I don't even know if he has baseball experience. Yeah. I'm just he, kidding. He was the I believe bench coach of the Rays. Yeah. Uh, prior, which is probably a good sign. I yep. mean, the I don't think we've ever seen anyone come from the Kevin Cash coaching tree, right? Uh, not that I can think of at least, because you see plenty of uh, you know, like Alex Cora came from the Astros, the AJ Hinch coaching tree, Joe Espada uh, was on the market for a while and still yeah. didn't get hired, but you know, like Astros, uh, you know, coaches are pretty popular on the market usually. Haven't seen a lot for the Rays, and there's a lot of talk about how they're just a good, well-run baseball club. So I'm very interested to see this. Yeah, and you and you see a lot of like, um, you see a lot of Rays like ex- from the executive tree yes. being picked off. Picked Hein-Bloom, off. Bloom, you know, Andrew Friedman. Yeah. So 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 you'll see that, but yeah, we haven't really seen the Kevin Cash coaching tree quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kevin Cash, he's already he's uh, coming off back-to-back manager of the year. Yes. Uh, wins, which, you know, it's a yeah. weird award. I mean, to be fair, back-to-back is pretty impressive. They it, usually don't do that. It's very impressive, and he definitely earned at least one of them. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why the Rays, even with, you know, like a bottom-five budget, uh, are able to get to the playoffs 
four years in a row now, which is pretty absurd to think about. So yeah, I mean, uh, Quattraro is coming off is you know right literally right under uh, under Kevin Cash, mm-hmm. um, probably provided a lot, and you know we'll see we'll see where he goes with the Royals, who you know are I mean the Royals are definitely up and coming, and it feels like they're like kind of their wave of prospects is starting to they're starting to come to the big leagues and you know they're looking for a new leader to lead them yeah absolutely um there's been a lot of uh you know I'd, I'd say there's been a lot of excitement with the royals over the last year i know that you know last season on paper did not go the way it was supposed to but i think the one thing that royals fans can really uh hang their heads high on with last season is that they kind of have an identity now you know there's a, a, some sort of expectation with kansas city going into next season where we think we might know who some of their guys are. You know, Brady Singer had a really nice breakout year, especially in the second half. MJ Melendez looks interesting. Vinny Pasquantino looks interesting. Nick Prado. Uh, they have some guys who could establish establish themselves as the future core of the Kansas City Royals. And I think now, you know, I think they picked the right time to uh, fire Mike Matheny because. You know, now they have an identity and they can get a manager that fits that identity better. And Matt Quantraro appears to be that guy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you mentioned some names. You know, Brady Brady Singer had his best career year. He had a 127 ERA plus. You know, his highest ERA plus and highest amount of innings in a season with a 153 and a third. Uh, his walk rate went down tremendously. So he's a guy that's definitely uh, up and coming. He's only. 26 years old right now Mm -hmm. um Vinny Pascantino like he looks I mean that this is a really interesting guy to look at I mean 135 OPS plus in 298 plate appearances last year one of the lowest strikeouts strikeout rates you'll see one of the higher barrel rates and exit velocities you'll see yeah which is a great recipe for offensive success um and yeah Nick, Nick Prado was a top five uh, organizational prospect. He he came up, and not to mention, I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, uh, we didn't even get into him. Who, you know, was the uh, number one prospect in baseball this uh, this coming into this year. And he might have had a 2020 season already uh, in his rookie year, if I'm... Yeah, he had uh, 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases. Um, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the ceiling, you know only goes up from here with him. Like, that was very much, you know, it was his rookie year, his first time playing in the league, and obviously he's not a finalist for Rookie of the Year like some of his other uh, counterparts that were big names going into the season, like Adley Rushman, Julio Rodriguez, but Bobby Wood Jr. is probably going to have that breakout year at some point, and Absolutely. it's probably going to be under Matt Quantraro. Yeah, I mean, he, it was his age 22 season. Uh, you can't expect everyone to be uh, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., no. or... Uh, julio rodriguez and they didn't even really need him to be like what even like let's just say he had a julio season put up like a five six win season what does that get the royals that they didn't already get yeah no yeah (laughs) yeah very good point very good point so yeah i mean um i think i yeah we we were a show when they initially hired mike Matheny. it was like right right after the 2019 season and <laughs> our we don't have any we don't have any um archives archive of it because it was like maybe our fifth episode we had done um, the first thirty I believe do not exist yeah first first twenty nine mm. 
are uh well actually if you want to dig deep and go on my twitter you can find the periscopes <laughs> which i don't know if you can even you didn't see anymore they're yeah. so old yeah um but if you want to dive back to my to my twitter in 29 like winter like pre-pandemic 2020 yes pre-pandemic 2020 which like was like a fake time late late 2019 uh yeah like if you want to do that go ahead but yeah back to mike Matheny. we were we are we kind of saw it for what it was and we were like you know the royals aren't obviously aren't going any speaking in 2019 terms royals obviously aren't going anywhere anytime soon so you know they just kind of have this placeholder guy and once they kind of form an identity and have some younger guys come up they'll uh they'll uh you know get their guy and i think you know matt quattraro uh for right now seems to be their guy as they have a bunch of uh guys like 25 and younger um coming through the system and doing pretty well and uh yeah should be should be interesting and you know that's a division where you can kind of rise up a little quicker than than most. You definitely can. I mean, I think we're going to have that expectation for a lot of teams going into next year. You know, the Tigers obviously took a big step back in 2022, but you do remember that they were sort of a contender for a little bit in 2021. Um, yeah, obviously 2022 didn't go their right way. They had a historically bad offense, but it feels like they can't replicate that. Yeah. It'd be hard to do. And with the Royals, like, they're a very young team, but, you know, guess who... Guess who won the AL Central this past year? Exactly. It was the youngest team in baseball. Not saying that I think they're going to win the uh, AL Central next year, but I think I think it's it's ma- not po- as far fetched as many might think. Yeah, and I think it's a possibility in the next few mm-hmm. years um, with the amount of talent they have just starting their their big league careers. Um, so yeah, Matt Quatraro. Any any more thoughts on uh, Quatraro's hiring? Not too not too much really. Um, I, I hope this one works out for Kansas City. So yeah, next on the list, staying in the AL Central, uh, you know they kind of parted ways for, with Tony Larusa because he or Tony Larusa stepped down because of health reasons. Uh, <laughs> yes, they hired Pedro Griefall, Griefall, Chicago White Sox. Yes, the White Sox did, and uh, th- he used to be with Kansas City. Kind of an interesting position. I read up on him. Mm-hmm. Apparently he was the like catching quality control coach before Ned Yost retired, which is funny because we've talked about how Salvador Perez and MJ Melendez are some of the worst framers at the catcher position. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a real correlation thing, but uh, the whites, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a younger guy and you know, We'll see how it, we'll see how it goes for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean the Royals school of, of framing uh, is not. It's like a. It's it's not good. Yeah, no, not at all. It's like getting like a PhD from like a daycare center. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Um, with the White Sox, I think, I think either way, it's probably going to work out because I think with the the talent the White Sox have. And the talent that the rest of the division doesn't have. You ever just laugh at the Nationals OAA from last year? <laughs> was it like negative 50? Negative 51. The second worst was negative 33. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that was very off topic, but <laughs> I'm just looking at that. So I'm looking at framing stats. But with the uh, with the White Sox, um, I think it's probably a good move because with the amount of talent they have and the amount of talent the uh, rest of the 
rest of the division mostly lacks. Uh, I think you just need a guy in charge that's not going to mess things up. And, you know, this, I mean, he's a bit of a younger guy. He's worked with the Royals. Who knows? He could mess things up. But I feel like he's less due to less due to mess things up than like Tony Larusa did. I mean, the bar is incredibly low there. I don't yeah. even think that's a fair comparison because, I mean, like when Tony Larusa was hired, it felt like if things went better than expectations, it was a miracle. And, I mean, in 2021, like they were gifted a division because no other team in that division showed up. And yeah, you know, that year they didn't show up in 2022. Yep. Um, and I mean, even the 2021 year, like they got bounced out of the postseason pretty quickly um, by a by a superior team. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They won. They won one playoff game under with two huge years of that core, and it really sucks because Jose Abreu is probably leaving this year in free agency, and I know that he probably won't get you know that much attention because he is in his upper 30s, but, like, he had a 133 OPS plus that year, last year. Like, he's going to be a tough guy to replace in that lineup. Yeah, yeah. Like, the White Sox core, you know, we're not excited about it as we were pre-2021, pre-2020. I know, I think Anderson, I think he might have had an option picked up, so I think he's there for another year, but then as a free agent. Lucas Giolito's heading into his contract year. Um, Lance Lynn... You know he's not getting any younger, uh, and yeah, I mean Dylan Cease is a is a very bright star there, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into him later. But yeah, um, you know with with Griefel with Griefel or Griefel, I, I'm gonna yeah. have to learn how to pronounce that name. Uh, it you know it's just you kind of have to do what Tony Larusa was unable to do. It's pretty quite it's quite simple. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that. Just steer this core and do what they're expected to do. You know, they've had a lot of injury trouble over the last two years as well. Like That's very true. Eloy hasn't been healthy consistently. Luis Robert hasn't been been healthy consistently, and I think it's definitely uh, torn into his quality of play. You know, I'd say he was a pretty legit MVP candidate going into 2022. Uh, that did not materialize, mainly due to him not being on the field very much. Yeah. Um. I mean, like they had Leori Garcia consistently starting games for them both years. Like that's how you know. Yeah. They weren't able to keep guys. Yasmani Grandal this year vastly underperformed, but also couldn't stay healthy. Same with uh, Yoan Moncada. Yoan Moncada was injured throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, AJ Pollock did not perform to expectation. Tim Anderson was great, and then he got injured. Tim Anderson was great, and he got injured. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of. Uh, you know, outstanding things that happened with the White Sox that you can't even really blame Larusa for. I mean, like they had to have Johnny Cueto pitch 158 innings for them at age 36, and to his credit, he did very well—a 3.35 ERA. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just not—that's kind of a sign of a bad situation. Right. That was he. He was not in the equation uh, before before the season started. Really, he was not in anyone's equation. He was a free agent. Yeah. Exactly. All 30 teams looked at him on opening day and said, "No, actually, we're good." Yep. And then the White Sox, because of so many injuries, were like, all right, fine, we'll take him. God. Yep. <laughs> he'll put up a he'll nearly qualify for the ERA title and put up a three thirty five ERA, all right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh yeah it- Lance Lynn wasn't healthy this year and he didn't perform very well, as was Lucas Lucas Giolito as well. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel just disappeared. Dallas- <laughs> yeah. What a what a disaster that was for the Diamondbacks, Rangers, and White Sox. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, it, you know, I think that's a fair point that a lot of that was not in LaRusse's control and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that uh, won't be in uh, Griefel's control. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that much injury trouble happens again. That, that was some bad luck. That was I hope very, not. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, then it's just then it's a big, bigger issue. Right. Like then it's training team, conditioning team, like something has got to change if that happens again. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, anything more on uh, Pedro Griefel? No, I mean, I think it's an exciting hire for the White Sox. You know, they obviously took a much-needed change in direction. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I don't know if we can consider it. Um, Reinsdorf admitting his mistake because you know the I feel like he's gonna use the health issues as a cop out and be like, oh, we couldn't have him because he wasn't healthy. Um, and also, yeah. you know, they mutually agreed to split ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I mean, we should never forget that Jerry Reinsdorf uh, set this team up for failure for two years. That's true. In the heart of their core. Absolutely. Like, they were set up so well. <laughs> and, yeah, just uh, couldn't execute because a lot a lot because of uh, poor management. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next manager you'll hire, hire to get into, I don't think we... I don't think there's really much time we we can spend on this, but a uh, skim sh- skip Schumacher uh, mm, on gets, the Marlins gets hired by the Miami Marlins. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like it. I mean, the Marlins have had an absolutely dreadful offense uh, over the last couple of years to not very go not go along very well with the fantastic pitching that they've had. You know, they're probably going to have the Cy Young winner this year. They had a decent bullpen overall, as did as they did in 2021. Um, I'm going to be honest, Ken Mang had a really tough offseason last year. Yeah, with results, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, hold on, let me, like, because, you know, her big additions were uh, Jacob Stallings yep. and Javi Sel Garcia and Jorge Soler, and all three of those were huge flops. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm giving up on Kim Ang. You know, it's one bad season, and it's also, I mean, you, you, it's hard to blame her for Jacob Stallings having a 584 OPS. Like you yeah. got, like you have to expect better from that. Yeah. You know, at some point you do have to hold the players accountable, and I think it's fair to do that here. But also, I mean, that is a really tough offseason because obviously Garcia had a 582 OPS. Jorge Soler only played 72 games and had a 695 OPS. He never really got it going. Um, Jazz Chisholm played 60 games and was very good in that those games, but. Like we said, it wasn't able to stay on the field. Um, their highest position player in B-War was Miguel Rojas, who had a 72 OPS plus in 507 plate appearances because of his defense. Yeah. Which is, it's yikes. Their defense, or their offense was so, I, I watched a lot of their games, mostly because of Sandy. Their offense was brutal to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just, uh, I won't. Now I'm wondering what uh, Alcantara's record was because I feel like it couldn't uh, have been that check. great. Four, fourteen and nine. Yeah, for not a, that great for a two set for a two twenty eight uh, ERA and two hundred twenty eight and two thirds innings too. Yeah, when like when you're going that deep into games and you're, you're not winning, that's a, that's an offensive yeah, issue. No you're doubt. You're averaging like seven innings a start. Yeah, and and you can only win. You you can't win half of your games despite a mm-hmm. one seventy yeah, I mean, ERA plus. Thirty two games started fourteen wins. Yeah, not great. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, Pablo I mean, Lopez went ten and ten. Uh, Trevor Rogers, I know that he didn't have a good season, you know, ERA wise, but I mean, a four and eleven. Mm. Well, that's kind of tough. Yeah, the Marlins' offense—it's—it's it's historically been pretty bad. Um, and yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows if a managerial change is is what they need to fix it? Maybe it's a they also need change to def- of uh, reinforcements. They also need to develop. Like they really don't. I mean, if you look at all of their their successful players right now. None of them were drafted by the Marlins. Jazz Chisholm was traded over from the Diamondbacks. Pablo Lopez was traded over from the Yankees. Sandy Alcantara was traded over from the Cardinals. Um, let me yeah. see. I think Miguel Rojas is signed. Cool. He had a he has a career eighty five OPS. Actually, no, he was he was on the Dodgers originally. Yeah, they 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 have not drafted well historically. Um, yeah, I mean uh, that's something that needs to be fixed, no doubt. Yeah, it and. Whoever does well is usually... And even the international signings, too. Yeah, outside... Yeah, I mean, um, to their credit, I think, you know, Edward Cabrera might be... um, Yeah, but we've seen it in 70 innings. Yeah. Like, we can't really... There's no verdict on him. Exactly. Um, So, we'll see how those go. And even then, he had a a FIP that was a run and a half higher than his ERA Um, last year. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because of the home runs and the high walk rate. But, um, I mean, all this leads back to our original point of manager. Um, Skip Schumacher is, you know, it's definitely a change that they needed to make. I think Don Mattingly was someone they had to move on from, like, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, he was there, what, since 2016? Yeah, at least. At least, because he was not, with the Dodgers in 15, wasn't he? Uh, twenty. Yeah, so probably 2016 or 17. He definitely, he definitely was there in 16. Okay. Yeah, so it was since then and Yep. You know, I mean obviously some things were not in his control. You know, a large piece of their their uh their core around the start of his tenure. Um you know, Jose Fernandez, that yep. whole thing happened and that kind of that really changed the course of the franchise. Yes. Um yeah, you know, like they were a piece or two away up until that point. Yeah. And you know, that happened, but you know, they really haven't been able to recover from that since. Yeah, that was that was probably the best guy that that franchise has ever drafted. True. Yeah. 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 Um, that or uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, him too. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that happened, uh, within a couple years, you know, they traded Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, JT Realmuto. Yeah, and really, the only thing that they've gotten out of that entire fire sale was Sandy Alcantara, which to be fair, he's been fantastic, like beyond great. Yeah. Um, but that's only one guy and he pitches every fifth day and your problem isn't pitching. Yeah, very true. Uh, one thing that was very cool, Skip Schumacher, uh, after Sandy had thrown a complete game against the Cardinals, tweeted like, wow, Sandy was electric tonight. I'd love to manage a guy like that. Yeah, that was, that was a gr- very that was wholesome a good moment. Yep. Uh, Funny that funny that it worked out that way, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's yeah. It's almost like he went he went back in time and like made that tweet, and then yep, and then and came then back. got hired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's exciting to see the Marlins making some sort of front off or not front office, but you know, h- higher up changes. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, they have been doing it for the last couple of years with Kamang becoming the GM and and ownership changes and. Yeah, uh, all of this. So, you know, I mean, the 2023 Marlins, I think 
this is really that window of oh my gosh they're pitching starts if it wasn't already that last year right um they're gonna need to get some offense to go with it yep no doubt no doubt and they got a manager that'll hopefully take him to the promised land yep um so yeah schumacher uh you know a new era starts in miami um the last managerial hire managerial hire we'll get into probably the biggest one uh the rangers hired bruce bochi yes they did a guy who beat them in the world series yep 12 years ago Mm -hmm. um and yeah you know three-time world series champion with the giants had some success with the padres as well and uh retired and then is unretired yep he's back um i think we talked about it off air he's not someone that you go to when you want a long-term plan mm-hmm. um it seems like the rangers are kind of going all in and you know you know there's already some free agent rumors going on with with texas as well what did you, what did you think about this yeah i mean the rangers have been a very polarizing franchise for the last year you know last offseason they went out and got two major infield stars uh they got a solid i don't want to say ace but they got a solid starter in john gray on a pretty decent deal um, I think the next step is, you know, keep building that core uh, and then try to develop guys like Josh Jung, uh, maybe Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter uh, yeah. for the near future. Because, yeah, like we mentioned, Bruce Bochy is not a guy that you go out and get for a long-term plan. Like, this is a, hey, we want you to manage this team that we think can win right now. Yeah. Um, and that's going to, you know, I think this hire is going to propel them into a big offseason. You know, they've already been linked to Jacob deGrom. Uh, I think a lot of... Uh, predictions are going to have him going there and it makes a lot of sense uh you know texas i think they also just need you know obviously Corey seager and marcus simeon are are definitely big names and i think both of them had pretty solid seasons um and there's reason to believe that both of them can can continue to uh go up in production because of the shift going away but you know it feels like they still need that guy and jacob Degrom could be that guy for them yeah yeah you know absolutely definitely um regarding their starting pitching because mm-hmm. um yeah we haven't seen yeah, I mean who they we haven't they seen have starting last year they had Mart- I mean Martin Perez was like the Martin most Martin Perez was, was the most pleasant there. of surprises yeah at age thir- eh, 31 yeah. um yeah i mean like you know i think they have some guys that they can build off of like Dane Dunning uh was interesting but i don't really know if he has that high of a ceiling you know i think mm-hmm. he's solid as a ground ball option uh if they can supply him with enough defense yeah. Uh, you know, count me in. But I mean, what's what's the Rangers' outs above average right now? For infield, at least. Uh, Is anything outstanding? I mean, Sim. I mean, Simeon bumps them up. Seager's kind of average. Uh, I don't know what Nate Lo- Nate Lowe's Nate Lowe uh, or third base in general. Um, um, the Rangers, as a team last year, had negative eight infield outs above average. So I mean, you know, it's not they, they awful. Need, no, but it's, it's not. not good. It's twenty second in the league. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm trying to look for their farm system rank. Um, I feel like it's mid. Yeah, it's kind of mid. Even after, I mean, they even after they had some big trades last yeah. year. I mean, even then, sold. like Kumar Rocker, like they, like a lot would a lot would say, like that was a reach at three. Um. Well, they're not the bottom. Sorry, folks. I'm looking. I'm looking here. Just control sixth. F. Oh, they're sixth. Sixth. Heck yeah. Um, Josh Jung, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker. Who else? Um. 
uh, Jack Leiter, Evan, Evan Carter, Owen White, Justin. Oh, yeah, Evan Owen White. Yeah, I can't act like I know who these people are. I do know the name Owen White. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a, he's a computer-generated guy. Um, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I know, I know you're probably an extremely talented guy who probably like lives at 98 miles per hour or something <laughs> um but yeah ranger so rangers have the sixth bet this is mid-season 2022 i don't think it's really changed much they have the sixth best team farm system according to mlb.com um and it's been improving because 2020 mid-season it was 24 2021 preseason it was 21 uh and then it's gone to 11 to 9 to 6 um so that's improving so, for some reason, that kind of pulls me away from thinking the Rangers should go all in for, like, w- the next one, two, three years. Uh, I think the Rangers have kind of been confusing me over the past few years, if I'm if I'm honest. Uh, I think the Marcus, Marcus Simeon uh, signing kind of confused me as well. I mean, that the guy go- was going into his age 32 season. Yeah, and you signed him for, what, like, eight, nine years? They signed him for seven years. Six, yeah. Um. Who, of course, they would have made a little more sense. To, yeah, and like to be fair, Simeon had a had a very good year this year. Um, he had a twenty five twenty five season along with uh, spectacular defense at second base. But I don't see that happening when you know Josh Young is doing great and Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are doing great. Mm-hmm. And then so with a move like signing with like getting Bruce Bochy and even potentially getting Jacob Degrom, like. I, I don't. I think they're jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, they're, I like they won sixty eight games last year, and you know a lot of it was one run games. And I, I I looked I looked it up. If they were five hundred in one run games, they'd still be seventy eight and eighty four. You know, nothing to be nothing, nothing that's great. And but something to build off of at least. Something to build off of, but also when I looking at the division, I mean, I I don't think even a strong offense gets them by the. Seattle Mariners or Houston Astros. So I mean, at mm. best, if they have a great offseason, they could be like a fifth, sixth seed. Okay, but the what did the sixth seed just do in the National League, though? True, but the the Phillies were my 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 counter to that is look at what the sixth seed in the AL did. Fair enough, but also <laughs> I think the Rangers are closer to the Phillies than they are the Rays. Um, maybe. I think I, I think if they build enough in the offseason, they will be. Let's put it that way. And let's say they go out and get Jacob Degrom, they get a bat, they get a bullpen arm, whatever. They restock. They already have guys like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Maybe you get a breakout year from Josh Jung. I think they're closer to the Phillies than they are the Rays. Poten- yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, they do have a budget, which the Rays don't, mm-hmm. um, which would allow them to get a big bat that the that the Rays don't have, or you know, even a big a big starter, you know, a, or a big veteran starter that the Rays don't have. Um, but, you know, with, I feel like, I feel like a, a more long-term guy would have been appropriate because I don't know if they're going to succeed in the next one or two years, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty confident they'll succeed in three, four years. I th- that is pretty fair. I mean, I don't know. I think just from a front office perspective, you know, you built a whole new stadium for your fans a couple of years ago when your old stadium was only like, what, 20, 30 years old. Right. Um, you want to get the place packed. You know, the team hasn't been to the playoffs since 2016. I don't think they've had a winning record since then. Like, I think I think they really are just pushing the win now mentality for 
a lot of various reasons yeah. that have to do with, hey, we want people here because we've invested a lot in this city in the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. you know now we want to give that to the on give back for the on field product. Yeah, from a business side, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I get that they have a new stadium and they weren't even able to fill it in the first year because of COVID. Exactly. Um, first in attendance in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> my favorite thing ever. <laughs> and they, they lost 102 games. And they were first in attendance. Um, but yeah, I, so I, th- but I think from a purely baseball perspective, I think they're I think they're jumping the gun a little bit. It's why I didn't love the Marcus Simeon signing, but yeah. I like the Seager signing. I, don't know. I think it's I think it is cool to see them go out and try at the very oh, yeah. least, no it's doubt. Way, it's way better than It's so much cooler than like the, just the endless narratives of like, hey, look at this, look how good this team is when they don't spend. Hey, look at look at how yeah. they've built this team and blah blah blah. It's and like, no, go out and spend your money. Like, it's let's w- do it's it. way better than like, oh, we're oh, the Reds, we had our window in like 2020 yep, and, now, and now we're going to now we're going to do a fire sale. Yeah. You know, that it it is much better than that, I will yeah. agree. Um, but yeah, from a from a baseball perspective, it's a little bit jumping the gun. However, like if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm I'm I'm, di- I'm mostly digging satisfied. It. Yeah. yeah. I'm digging it. Like I'm I'm if I'm a Rangers yeah. fan, I'm excited to watch like, this 2023 team. I will never knock a front office for doing a, making a move that like where it clearly shows you that they're committed to winning. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it might be a stupid move, but I'll be like, hey, you know what? I'll give it to you because you clearly want to win with this move. And that's how I think with Bruce Bochy. Like, I think you can make a case that, hey, maybe they're jumping the gun with these free agent signings and the way they're operating right now because they might not be ready yet. But you know what? They're trying and good for yeah. them for that. And I like I may disagree with the move now, but like if they if they fire him after one or two years or, or mutually part ways or whatever, <laughs> um, it I don't think it's I don't think it sets them back too much. It's no. like oh they could have had this guy and built something. It's not it's not a Tony Larusa situation really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was to say like it's not like we've been built like, hyping up the Rangers farm for so long and it's like they're finally here and who's the guy that they're gonna you know lead with and oh it's Tony Larusa. Yeah, no. Like it's not one of those situations. Yeah, I think you know I think w- with hiring the hiring Bochi and potent in you know signing all these big free agents already with Seager and Simeon and potentially with like Degrom and you know another big bat as you mentioned, you know I think that's great. Um, I I don't want to be cynical, but like let's just hope that if it fails after a couple of years, they don't have some sort of fire sale because like i don't know mm-hmm. I, I just we've we've i feel like we've seen that before with i mean teams. i don't think anyone's taking on the seager or simeon contracts true maybe seager if they you know if if it's like a nolan arnado situation but like i think only the rockies would ever do that you know the rockies are paying nolan arnado 16 million dollars next year uh right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny that he opted into that deal because I bet the Rockies were like they're building their entire offseason around the premise that they have that money cleared up. Yeah, <laughs> because objectively he probably could have gotten more coming off the season that he just had. Right. But like I don't know, I don't understand why there was so much hype around his opt out because he said publicly like five thousand times that he's not opting out and he doesn't want to like have to wonder what the rest of his career is going to look like. Yeah. 
like that's why he signed the deal with the Rockies so quickly is because he wants to be like, all right, I got the rest of my career figured out right here. We're going to do it. Of course, it didn't work out like that. And within a year, he was in trade rumors. And, you know, there was a rift between him and the front office and the Cardinals trade happens. And he's like, all right, I'm a Cardinal for life. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my career. Like, I want to just settle somewhere. Yeah. And it's no like, I don't know. I don't know why people are surprised he he opted in. Yeah. And no, like, you know, he had a what like 200 it was a 200 something million dollar contract yeah it's what it even if you're a great player it's i was even if you can get more it's like you have generational wealth coming your way regardless it's like why and go clear, through and, stress again yeah and clearly it's such a priority for you to you know know what the rest of your career looks like now which is fine so yeah opt in absolutely like you're still getting 200 million dollars yeah yeah but yeah that's, <laughs> that's a ridiculous amount of money um but yeah, I guess I guess those are the uh, managerial changes. Um, going over again, Bruce Bochy, Skip Schumacher, Pedro Grifol, and Matt Quattraro. Um, you know, all interesting in their own right. Um, and you know, I think yeah, Rangers should be like with a move like that. It kind of signals, hey, there's more coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we shall see. We will and we'll be right here to talk about it. Yes, we will. Um, all right, and uh, already been some big off-season action. Uh, you know, not with a guy going to another team, but uh, the Mets. Well, G-Man Choi, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, Dude, Colby I don't know. Allard. I don't know if you, oh yeah, going back to the Braves. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but G-Man Choi put out like a you know an Instagram post being like, "Thank you, Rays Nation, whatever," and he said like, "I wanted to retire in Tampa Bay." Like he just flat out said that in in, in his Instagram post. Ah. Which makes me very sad, uh, but it's also like I don't know how often do you see pub- someone publicly admitting as they were traded, "I wanted to spend the rest of my career here." Um, like you know, yeah, like no. we heard it from Mookie Betts that he thought he was going to spend the rest of his career in Boston, but we heard it months after the trade. True. Like G Man Choi said this as he was being traded. Like he hadn't even started talking about how he was excited to be in Pittsburgh, and he was like, "I wanted to be a right for life man." Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess you can do that when you don't have like a whole press conference planned for you. You definitely could. Yeah. And also when you're just a fan favorite somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Pirates fans are like, we know we didn't you didn't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like uh I guess you could say it with um Christian Pache. Um when he got traded. Yeah. His tweet literally started with uh I am heartbroken. I have just learned <laughs> that I've been traded to the ace. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's it's funny because the actual tweet was I was traded from the Braves, but it was just so funny seeing him tweet. I am heartbroken. I have learned that I've been traded to the A's. <laughs> like if you just ended it there, it's the funniest and most accurate tweet, and it's yeah. it's what he was really thinking. True. <laughs> uh, I just have to like I just went from I could have been I could have been paid. <laughs> well, he wasn't going to get paid. Let's be honest, but like. No. You know, but I he he was I, he was three good months away from yeah uh, a <laughs> lifetime contract <laughs> from like a twelve year fifty million dollar contract yeah um yeah he could have been with a winning organization that was always going to be a World Series contender but now he's got to pay for soda and not only that but he, yeah and he, and he's with the same group of guys for the rest of his career you know like he's going to form some amazing friendships and he's, yeah he's got a thirty four OPS plus in a team that might be going to Las Vegas might be going might be staying in Oakland might be getting the Howard Terminal yeah who knows who knows um go yeah. back to bring him back to Montreal they loved it 
<laughs> they loved baseball yeah, they, in Montreal. <laughs> That's why they left. They had like top attendance every single year. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'll be cool for like the first few weeks and then people keep not showing yeah, up. In the Oly- Olympic Stadium, a perfectly modern baseball place. Remember remember mm-hmm. that uh, the, the 2018 yeah. uh, spring training game where a bunch of people against, showed up? Against the Cardinals? Yeah. When, when, well, it was cool because Vlad Jr., like he was, the, he was the big prospect at the time and he was also like the son of the, yeah, the, the guy who was like the big Expos man. Yeah, and he hit the walk off home run in the one nothing game, and the crowd went crazy. So yeah, so we need to bring baseball back to Montreal and have them host eighty and host eighty one games a year. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry to roast that, uh, that stuff. But, um, what were we saying? Yeah, Edwin. D- so yeah, th- some <laughs> some anyway, uh, Edwin Diaz in house in house uh things going on with the Mets. The Mets signed. Uh, the best reliever in baseball, at least last year, uh, Edwin Diaz to a five-year, $102 million deal. The biggest uh, biggest contract to a reliever ever. Uh, biggest, um, most uh, first time a reliever is getting a $100 million contract, I believe. Uh, yeah, so what are we yeah. thinking about it? I mean, if anyone was ever going to get a $100 million contract as a reliever, this is the right person in right time. Yes. Uh, I mean, he had a, a 0.9 FIP last year. Yeah. That's, like, not allowed, actually. Like, that's illegal. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Uh, they actually don't let you it do that. It will suck that he has to serve that two-month suspension. Yeah, for, for, for the, being so good. For that 0.9 FIP. Yeah. Uh, over his last uh, 34 appearances of the season, he had an 0.52 uh, an, an ERA and an, 0. 4, or, uh, an 0.14 FIP. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's so ridiculous. And actually, I could probably find a better sample. Over his, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, there it is. Over his last thirty-seven appearances, a minus point two FIP, <laughs> a minus point zero two FIP. Sorry. Yeah. So he he was uh, supposed to see. allow negative runs. Over his last forty appearances, uh, minus oh point th- or minus point three minus point oh three. Yeah, minus point oh three FIP. With yeah. a point six five ERA. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's crazy. Like we've seen we've seen historic seasons. Uh, Craig Craig Kimbrell had a point seven eight FIP and a one oh one ERA in, in twenty twelve. But he was still under he was still under like arbitration or something. Yeah, I mean he was never he was not close. Edwin to Diaz a, did that in a contract year. Yeah, it's like uh, what was that like that that a tweet about like. Edwin Diaz's contract versus Emmanuel Classe's. Yeah, that's how the Guardians like got the got the just as good player for a much cheaper price. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. Yeah, it's I wonder... crazy that you can just buy out a player's arbitration years and only have to pay them like twenty million dollars. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, I mean, Acuna's deal still was kind of cheap, but like, but that was also far beyond arbitration. Like, that was an eight-year deal. Emmanuel Classe's was quite literally five years. After his first year in the big leagues, yep. like it, it went like he's still going to be a free agent the same year. Actually, yes, yeah, yeah. Very funny how people pick that out. And it's yeah. like if you ever, if you ever sense that something's weird, maybe look into it um, a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Edwin Diaz gets one hundred two million dollars. Was the pre was the previous high for a reliever or oldest Chapman? Like five years, eighty million, probably. I think it was. I don't. I, I can't think of a contract that has since been signed. Liam Hendricks didn't break that. No, 
Um, I think, uh, and so I looked at some numbers, and funnily enough, I, I kind of judge, I kind of judge players like how they are now based on like their past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Diaz, uh, in his last two years, has a one seven zero FIP, fantastic, and Chapman in the two years leading up to his contract had a one seven zero FIP, exactly. Um, so I think I think it makes sense that he's he's breaking that breaking that record again and I think it it should be worthwhile especially like Diaz is only I think 29 um or at least going into his age 29 season right so like five year deal yeah he's going to his age 29 season that takes him into age 33 and relievers age definitely a lot differently yes. than like a center fielder very much so um so I mean he, he's still they also can be like wild cards with it too though a hundred percent yeah like uh you know th- I can name a billion relievers that just were eventually completely irrelevant in yeah. in baseball lore like Jim Ho- Johnson, Jose Valverde, <laughs> who went forty nine for yeah, forty nine save he, opportunities. Uh, I mean, kind of Brad Lidge, John Axford, John Ax, yeah, John Axford had like forty four saves one year, like you know, but I think you know obviously Amir, Amir Garrett, yeah, but none of them were having FIPS below one, like. There's a very special class of relievers who have been able to do that, and that's like, uh, you know, Diaz, Chapman, Kimbrell. Brett, Brett Lidge had a very fun uh, <laughs> career to look at. You know, 2008, he goes 48 for 48 in save opportunities, including postseason. You know, closes out a one-run game to win the World Series. Uh, the next year, he comes back, pitches 58 in two-thirds innings with a 7.21 ERA. Then he comes back to the Phillies the next year with a 2.96 and 45 innings pitched, a 1.40 ERA and 19 innings pitched. Goes to Washington at age 35, nine and a third innings pitched, a 9.64 ERA. All right, peace out. I'm done with baseball. <laughs> yeah, quite the ups and downs of relievers. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and Diaz has had some ups and downs, but currently on the biggest upswing of his. Uh, of his professional career and uh yeah came at the right time um yeah Mets are going to be paying 20 million dollars a year to a reliever so hopefully it works out for them it should be fine it should be fine I mean hopefully he has you know I mean he did just come off a 0.9 FIP season yeah I can't really question the decision too much right now exactly and I think if it doesn't work out We'll probably look back and be like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it still makes sense that they'd sign him, right?" Like, if if you went back, I'd probably do it again. Yeah, and the Met the Mets fans are are very happy with the deal. Um, very happy with the deal. I'm look trying to look for their what they got. They still don't have a Diaz. Baseball Reference still doesn't have Diaz's uh contract. Fangraphs probably does. Put in. Um. Fangraphs is usually like a a day after. Yeah, and they're I think they're st- still even with this contract. I mean, with free agency they'll probably exceed it, but I still I think they're still under the uh, like luxury tax. Uh, they are currently at two hundred. Well, they oh, their final twenty twenty two payroll was two hundred eighty two million. Um, but like they got Degrom coming off the books. You know they had him on a big contract, although he is you know he's opting out. Um, Nimmo. Nimmo. They have opting out. Uh, or, well, he's, sorry, he's a free agent. Um, yeah, uh, Edwin Diaz, they do have him in here. It's a, a average AV of 18.6 million. Um, it's actually, I mean, it's kind of evenly loaded. Uh, there is a club option for 2028, so it could be a six year deal. Nice. 
Well, good for them. Um, he also uh, Diaz also has two opt outs after twenty twenty five and six. Yeah, and I think this was pretty important for the Mets to make because yep. it's not like they have an absolute stable. Like after Diaz, Oof. they have they have some. The th- Mets are still. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The Mets are still paying Robinson Cano two hundred or twenty four million dollars next year. Oh, not great. Man, I feel so old realizing that that contract's ending next year. Yeah, I was in seventh grade when that was signed. Yep. That's crazy. This is like part of me like feeling old as a baseball fan is these big contracts coming to an end. Like Jacoby Ellsbury's contract is up. Yeah. Uh, like you Darvish is going to be a free agent again next year. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that. That's even weirder because it was like I was keeping track. I was like very invested yeah. in the off season at that point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The Cano one. Like I remember watching intentional talk. You know, talk mm-hmm. about that. Like. I, no, I remember. Uh, you know, the Yankees signed Jacoby Ellsbury, and I live in New York. I'm a Red Sox fan, and people are like, oh, we, we stole Jacoby. Like, what are you going to do? I was like, all right, you guys aren't getting Robinson Cano back. <laughs> Why do I care? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Cano is so that's much a, better. It's a pretty good trade there, yeah. Yeah, from, I'll take from it. From a Red Sox perspective. Yeah, you guys get Jacoby Ellsbury, and Robinson Cano goes somewhere else. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we finish last place next year. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, it turns out Daniel Nava is not going to hit 300 again. <laughs> Damn. Um, Unfortunate. Yeah, but uh yeah, I think I think getting Diaz was important because there's not a, there's not like too many elite arms beyond him in that bullpen. Uh like Seth Lugo's good, but he's good. He's not he's not great. He's not like right. what Devin Williams was to Josh Hader mm-hmm. uh when when those two were in the bullpen together. Like it's good to hold down that one guy that you know is going to deliver exactly um and i think that's why it was important for the mets to make uh to make that move you know it's not like they could have it's not like there was a closer in the making over there mm-hmm. quite yet uh it's 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 diaz and it's going to continue to be diaz yeah um and they have the budget to make a you know to pay a a, a reliever 20 million dollars a year uh for sure um but yeah um that should do it for the news. Um, well, there's one more thing, the the Astros stuff, oh, right? Oh, yeah, true, true, true. Weird, um, weird stuff. James Click will not be returning as the general manager of the Astros. They also fired, I think, one of their assistant GMs. Yeah. Uh, very strange. They only offered Click a one-year extension, mm-hmm. um, and understandably, he did not accept. Yep. I mean, all he did was win a World Series. I know, I, I'm sort of... Back and forth on this because when you really look up and down this the Astros team that just won the World Series, it's still kind of Luno's team. I guess. Like, like, okay, let's go through this lineup here. Martin Maldonado, uh, that was a guy that was acquired by, uh, that was a guy that was acquired by Jeff Lunau. Maybe James Click since resigned him. I don't know when his contract was up or whatever, right. but. Let's be honest. That was a that was a, a Lunau guy. Yuli Gurriel, Lunau. Jose Altuve, Lunau. Jeremy Pena, I believe, was Lunau. Yeah. Because uh, what he was drafted? Yeah, he was drafted in 2018. That's a Lunau guy. Um, Alex Bregman, Lunau. Michael Brantley, Lunau. Chaz McCormick, was he Lunau? He was Lunau. Kyle Tucker, also Lunau. Jordan Alvarez, Lunau. Uh, in the pitching, Justin Verlander, Lunau. Framber Valdez, Lunau. Like, it's... Christian Javier was Lunau. Yeah. Like, so... 
James Click, you know, yes, he was the GM that won the World Series, and yes, he deserves more than a one-year extension. But also, I feel like there is reason to question how much he, you know, put together the current roster. Right. I, that's it's a good point, but I mean, I don't know. I like. He also, you know, he also steered them out of the the scandal, which is a huge thing. Yeah, unless they just hire Jeff Lunau again, mm-hmm. which I apparently is like not out of question. Like that would, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. And I think, I think enough time has passed yeah. to where they're not going to get a crazy. I don't know. I feel like the Astros shouldn't associate with him anymore. Like they've shown that they can win without him. Yes. Um, even if it is still his roster. When um, when Click was hired, do you know if he was? hired within the Astros or if you No, he was definitely hired externally. There's no way they would have hired a GM from within at that point. Um I mean, I don't know, but I I found it hard to imagine they would have hired from elsewhere. Where do I find? Do I go, do I go to James Cook's LinkedIn? I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it it, hey, work. it's probably active. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking for jobs. Uh yeah, no. I don't I'm just finding a, re- a regional sales manager. Mm, well, um, no, he found a new job. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> James Click career baseball. I mean, yeah, uh, he may have come from externally, but like, I don't know. I I feel like it's not his fault that like no. all the Lunau guys worked. And I mean, yeah, it's not his fault that he didn't make any. He didn't make any stupid trades. He didn't make any stupid signings. Letting Correo go worked out. I mean, I don't know if that's his decision. It's probably more ownership. It's definitely much more of a Jim Crane decision. Yeah, given that he was going to be paid $35 million a year. Yeah. But, you know, no matter what, either way, letting Springer the, and Correa the, go has been only that way, bad. The only way Correa not returning would be a James Click decision if it turned out that there were no conversations between the Astros and Correa, which there definitely were. So Yeah. Like uh, when you know when Bryce Harper was a free agent, the Yankees never contacted him. That's probably because they were never interested. Like that's a Brian Cashman thing, not a Hal Steinbrenner thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but either way, like I don't know. I feel like no matter how the things are operating, no matter this might be an old school thing, but like no matter how things are operating or how things are, um being run or who's at the helm or who's whose guys whose were like when you improve your team by 11 wins you win 106 games mm-hmm. and you go 11 and 2 in the playoffs clearly that's working yeah and it's 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 not very, something to mess with it's very odd to really just dismiss him at like and not that only that, after. but it was such a safe move too. Like if they signed him to a, th- I don't know, a three-year extension, is there any Astros fan that's being like, "Oh my God, we're sticking with this guy"? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. No. Uh, yeah, definitely not. No, no one's doing that. Yeah, definitely. And and not. if and even if like let's say it doesn't work out, maybe James Click, you know, the Astros don't have a good farm system right now. Maybe they don't develop. Guys start to age. The team, you know, gets you know decreases in in productivity every year. Is anyone being like, yeah, I knew it. We should have fired James Click after 22. <laughs> Very, like, yeah. are people taking those? Are we taking those people seriously? We're not. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It. It was. It doesn't make. I don't know. It was weird because it was such a safe move. Right. Yeah. No. No one's questioning it. It's, and, no one's questioning it, and 
There, there hasn't yeah. been a, a a good explanation for it yet either. Mm-hmm. I think you quote tweeted something. I don't know how valid it is, but I like, don't either. But there was something about like the organizations moving away from an analytics based, which I find hard to believe. It's, it's there's no way, right? Yeah, no, I, I I'm no. <laughs> Does Come Jim, on now. Jim Crane cannot possibly care about baseball that much. Like very few owners actually care about baseball outside of like maybe Artie Moreno, and we've seen how that's worked out. Yeah, and even like. You know, being a baseball owner for the most part is all about knowing business and then learning about baseball. Like they don't yeah. take baseball people and teach them business; they take they take business people and teach them baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like Jim Crane. There's no way he could look at a way that they're operating that has been mighty successful for close to a decade now and be like, "Yeah, we got to switch it up in here, man." Yeah, and the and the Astros have been referred to as like one of the top analytical teams for like over half a decade. Yeah, like we were talking about like that SI cover from 2014 with George Springer. We were like, "Hey, this team is the future." You know why? Look at what they've got going for them. Yeah, and largely that was based on analytics. Yeah, and they've had so many guys. They've had like a good amount of guys come from their front office and go on to bigger yeah, and better Mark things. Mark Elias with the Orioles. Mark Elias and, you know, the guy under him who we Mike met. Elias, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Mike Elias and the guy under him, his Sig assistant. Right now. Sig Yeah, Sigmund Madal. Yeah, um, I, need to, I need to be better with his name. Yeah. Um, I mean, they hired Jeremy Frank. What else do you need to know? Right. <laughs> yeah. As an intern. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he's getting a World Series ring, too. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Pretty nice. But, yeah, like... Um, so I, I I don't know if I believe a report. I think the uh the report was yeah the report was that Jim Crane said that uh he thought James Click was uh too analytically driven, which seems like an Onion article. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't seem right. So it's like oh, that's a good one. Unless there's more to it, I'm just not gonna believe it. Uh, quite yeah, yet. No. Yeah. And I don't know what it would take for me to ever actually believe that because. Like, we, you never hear publicly about how, I mean, like, we hear the Astros are analytically advanced, but we don't know why. We don't know what puts them above other teams, and we're not supposed to know that because, right. you know, if someone from the, the raised front office hears the Astros are better because they're doing this, guess what they're going to do? Yeah. They're going to do that. Yeah. You like, just, there's pretty obvious reasons we don't know that, and yeah. we're not meant to. Exactly. I mean, you just have to put the puzzle pieces together. It's like, oh, yeah. Framber Valdez and Christian Javier, they weren't sought after before. They were also signed for like $10,000 They were each. signed for $10,000. They were somehow able to develop them into like two like, postseason gods. Yeah. One of which, like Framber is probably getting a lengthy contract at some point. Yeah. I don't know where it'll be. I don't know if it'll be an extension in free agency, but he'll get something. Yeah. Like, you know, somehow they were able to do that. You know, they were able to develop um you know when you think about the younger core when they were young you know Correa uh Correa Bregman and uh some other guys like even Kyle Tucker now mm-hmm. like they were able to develop guys how are they able to do that I don't know I don't know how they were able to do that but it worked and yeah and you know we're not supposed to know we're not supposed to know who you know it's all it's all speculation mm-hmm. as they say um but yeah uh, anything they, more? They rebuilt Justin Verlander at age 39 to be a Cy Young contender yeah. after recovering from Tommy John surgery. Oh, yeah. I, I, not to mention, yeah, they they re, they rebranded Garrett Cole. They rebranded Charlie Morton. Yeah. You know, 
Lance McCullers, I don't know how good he was supposed to be, but he's he's been. But he also came back from Tommy John. Yeah, like they they built up Jose Arquidi out of nowhere. Yeah, to be a really good pitcher for them, Luis Garcia, um, even Jake Odorizzi did pretty well for them this year. Yeah, like you know, there's something there's something there. We're not supposed to know. Mm-hmm. We won't know, and uh, good for them. Exactly. But uh, whatever they had at the highest executive position of GM uh apparently wasn't good enough <laughs> yeah but uh you know we'll see we'll see what happens after this um cuz you can't you can't analyze it too much it's not a, it's not like a player with statistics mm-hmm. um so what so statistics we will get into is uh breaking down the awards oh are we doing that tonight uh yeah all right do you have wait? Do you have the? Yeah, I can pull them up. Do you have the? Do you have predictions or? Um, I mean, I haven't really looked it over too much, but I mean, we've been we've watched the same season over the last six months, so I think we can we can figure it out for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, that that uh all starts tomorrow. Um, so it does rookie of the year? Yeah, with uh, rookie of the year, um, and uh, you know, two yeah Monday is rookie of the year tuesday is manager of the year wednesday cy young thursday mvp that's how you do it second you know second week in november yeah yeah second week in november this is how it goes down or no technically third week now because of the lockout but yeah starting out you have al rookie of the year um there's uh, three good candidates yeah. going on here. Three good finalists. Stephen Kwan of the Guardians, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, Edley Rushman of the Orioles. I think Julio is a pretty easy winner here. Um, although I am very intrigued in the battle for second place. I think it's going to be very close between both Kwan and Rushman. I think they give. I think they probably give it to the guy with more playing time in Kwan. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially because it's the writers and they probably love Kwan's style of play. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't know, I, I'm so, sometimes I get surprised by the writers. Like That's I, true. I was surprised that they they uh, put C- Corbin Burns as first place mm-hmm. um, in the in the Cy Young race Based last year. Based on a FIP, yeah. Yeah, but they did it. Um, yeah, I think I think the I think the the first place like I think Julio will will definitely win, but I think it's a lot closer than some people uh, realize because, you know, Julio Rodriguez, he's, he's gotten a lot of attention for good reason, but he, not only is he great, but he looks great when he's being great. You know, he's got the, he's got, and he's also, you know, he's like 20, he's literally younger than us. Yeah. He's, he's got the extreme power. He's got the extreme speed. He's a fun guy. He led the manners to the postseason. you know, uh, what runner, Runner up in the home run derby this year. Yeah, all star. Yeah, all star. Um, just you know, like he was, he was on the, he was, all the baseball base. You know, the baseball uh, spotlight was on him um, throughout from like June on, which was uh, really good for him. But I think I think there's some cases to make with some other guys. So I'm I'm just going to talk about the the other nominees. Go right ahead, Stephen Kwan. He was the AL rookie leader in plate appearances, runs scored, and hits. You know, count statistics. Uh, he had 78 more plate appearances than uh, Julio Rodriguez and 168 more than Adley Rutschman. He also had more 
BSR and outs above average than Julio Rodriguez, and he had 12 more defensive runs saved than Julio Rodriguez. Um, then you go to Adley Rutschman. He is tied for the lead among AL rookies in F war, and he is the leader among the nominees in BSR and the leader among AL rookies in defensive runs above average. Uh, he's a catcher, and he he did the he played the position very well, and I think catchers get really rewarded um, in on like Fangraphs and or Fangraphs specifically when you're a good def- when you're a good defensive catcher. And then Julio Rodriguez, of course, you know he's he's the main name here. He was the leader among American League rookies in F WAR, offensive runs above average, and weighted runs created plus minimum 100 plate appearances. Um, given all the factors, uh, you know Julio Rodriguez was was very excellent offensively. I think he had a 146 weighted runs created plus, and I think if it's like a most valuable rookie of the year or like most valuable rookie thing, I think there's. Uh, maybe a stronger case for Stephen Kwan because of how present he was in the Cleveland lineup. But, um, you know, it's kind of based on how outstanding the rookie is. Julio Rodriguez definitely played a full season. It was over 130 games played. And uh, my pick is Julio Rodriguez, and I think Julio Rodriguez is going to win it. Um, I think he'll get, like, 25 25 first-place votes. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Julio Rodriguez will get... Somewhere between like 25, 26 first place votes. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty legit. Um, he'll de- I think he'll get at least two thirds of the vote, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, do we want to move on to the National League? Um, yeah, National League. National League is uh, extremely interesting, I- I'll say. Yeah. Um, I-, I think I have a-, a pretty easy winner picked out in that one, too, though. Um,. I don't think it's easy. Really? No. Really? I think the writers are going to go with Strider a lot more. Yeah. It, I think it's a case of, like, if this is the most valuable rookie, I think it's a lot different. That's fair. Because uh, it's the the whole... Whoever made the MVP back in, like... 1930s. The 19, in the 1930s or, like, even... 1910s when like they won a car uh for winning <laughs> for winning mvp like just make it the best player it's just so yeah. i know it doesn't make for a good chance that but it person makes it has so much easier that person have no idea how detrimental of an effect that had on society a hundred years later yeah <laughs> because yeah making yeah, i don't know i think just the way that spencer strider showed up this year and just completely dominated on a level that only is seen by elite like truly elite pitchers Granted, it only was 140 innings pitched, uh, and he started the season, you know, on the Braves. Um, I don't know. I just I find it, you know, yes, Harris was fantastic this year all around. He was great with offense, defense, whatever. I just I see it, Strider taking it. Um, so I made I made two cases between you know Harris and Strider. Mm-hmm. Um, Harris, he had uh, I you know I know you're not gonna like this stat, but 1.7 more B WAR than Spencer Strider. Uh, only only point one less F WAR. Uh, he was the leader among NL rookies in home runs, hits, offensive runs above average, weighted runs created plus, minimum uh, two hundred fifty plate uh, plate appearances. Mm-hmm. And he was second among NL rookies in BSR and stolen bases. He played about the same amount of time as Spencer Strider, uh, and he had a one thirty five OPS plus compared to Strider's one fifty two ERA plus. But you know Harris also provided elite 
uh, base running and defense. You know, he had 20 stolen bases in like 110 games. If that's a full season, maybe he's reaching 30 stolen bases. He also had, I think, eight outs above average. And I mean, a wicked arm. Outs, outs yeah. above average doesn't doesn't account for uh, arm strength, but I, I imagine. He's, I will know. Isn't that a thing now on uh, Savant? Um, I feel well. It's it's part of the red circle, th- you know, red blue circle thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's accounted for in the outs above average statistic. Sure. Um, and you no, know, it definitely isn't. I have to imagine. And I, th- I think Harris's arms saved some runs on defense as well. And, you know, an everyday presence from, like, May on. But, you know, the case for Spencer Strider uh, is a is a very good case as well. He led all rookies in F4. Oh, yeah. Just a real, I'm sorry to interrupt, but real quick. Harris uh, ranked tied for 17th in the league in arm strength among uh, 368 qualifiers. Yeah. I mean, his, his. That's pretty legit. If you if you saw some of the highlights on Twitter, uh, it was it's pretty stellar. Like, oh my god, that really that didn't bounce once. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Spencer Strider also has a great case. Um, shout out to the Braves, by the way. Spencer Strider led all rookies in F WAR, uh, pitcher or batter. He was. Uh, you know, also among ten MLB rookies with a hundred plus innings pitch, he had the best ERA, best FIP, best ERA plus, best strikeouts per nine, and best home runs per nine as well. Um, he had the highest strikeout rate by a rookie in baseball history, minimum a hundred innings pitched, and the second lowest FIP by a rookie in the live ball era, minimum a hundred ten innings pitched. Lowest FIP what uh, by a pitcher in the live ball era was Doc Gooden. Uh, you know, he's known for having great success very early in his career. So, you know, that happens. So my pick ultimately is, uh, is Spencer Strider. Um, because I think just the excellence, you just haven't seen that from a guy. You just don't see that from rookies. It's, it's crazy. I mean, he had 200 innings or 200 strikeouts in 131 and two thirds innings pitched, uh, as well as keeping the ball in the park at the best rate by a rookie with a hundred innings pitch. Um, you know, not very high exit velocities against him, not very high barrel rates against him. Um, and I mean, Harris, I feel like a lot of years Harris is winning this, but Spencer Strider was so excellent, uh, that I have, I think, I think last year, uh, Harris is winning this. Yeah, Yeah. Over, over Jonathan India. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so my pick is Spencer Strider. My prediction, I think Spencer Strider will take it. Um, I think he'll get like, I don't know. I, I feel less confident with the writers picking him, um, as you do. I think he's going to get like 17 or 18 first place votes and Harris is going to get the rest. Yeah. Sorry, I, Brandon Donovan. Yeah. Sorry. You, yeah. You were just, you're, you're there because there had to be a third finalist. I hate to say it. <laughs> There's some awards that go like that. A- AL MVP sort of is like that. Who even? Oh yeah, it's Jordan. Yeah. And I don't think he cares about not winning it. Yeah. I think he's happy about some other things. I know. Wait. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Jordan doesn't care too much about not winning it. Yep. Um. He's he's pretty happy with what happened over the last month. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> AL Manager of the Year is probably the most difficult one to decipher who's going to win yeah because you know you can only do so many numbers with that yeah well you can't do any numbers with that yeah no <laughs> um 
I don't know. There's a very great case for all three of the candidates. Terry Francona, of course, won in a division where they were not expected to win. Their offense had a lot of questions. Some even had them last in the division. Scott Service, of course, took his team to the playoffs for the first time since 2001. He brought them back from 10 games under 500. And Brandon Hyde, where do I even begin? Yeah. Um, who do you think they're going to give it to? Um, so I'll start, off, I'll start off with my personal pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think, to be honest, Scott Service has by far the weakest case because, I mean... Which is so funny. He, he definitely does because they won the same number of games as last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like... He did bring them back, but I mean, also there's a there's a case where it's like, hey, you probably shouldn't have been there anyway. And also, the Mariners added a added a bunch over the off season, yeah. so it kind of makes sense. And not only that, but like it, it means nothing if there wasn't the postseason drought. Like sometimes you kind of got to take that storyline out of it. Exactly. When looking at this case, yeah, you got to be obje- objective about it. Um, yeah, with Terry Francona, um, you know they 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 were kind of just middle of the road for half the year and then they just turned it up uh the al central was theirs to take and they took it they improved uh their record by i think 12 games um and then with brandon hyde they were 52 and 110 last year they they earned the number one pick uh second time in in uh three four years second time in four years um yes they've they had been uh last Last place, or you know, outside of 2020, they were fourth place, but they'd been consistently second to last or last. Then they go ahead, they they finish four games above 500. They make a 31 win improvement. Um, and my pick is Brandon Hyde. Yeah, mine is as well. Um, my, if I were a voter, I would pick Brandon Hyde. Um, because yeah, like I think, and here's here's what I think will happen. I think they're going to give it to Terry Francona. Um, because I, I think about it from a writer's wow. perspective. Wow. I think they're going to give it to Tito. I think they're going to give it to Tito. I think about it from a writer's perspective. Like they have to vote, vote on these right after the regular season ends. And I, I think the, the, the guardians, they ended 24 and six. The, the Orioles were not, they could have, they could have made the playoffs, but they didn't. Yeah, the the Orioles they they you know they were sneaking up sneaking up and and they didn't quite finish, but I think you know personally it's important to put it into perspective. Like, uh, I believe they have given it to managers who didn't make the playoffs in the past. They have before, but I, I feel like they. I think I think this is a special case where they can. I mean, fifty two wins to a winning record. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to Brennan Hyde. That's but... that's what I think they they end up doing. They like the Orioles were such a big storyline for so long this year. Yeah, uh, you know they were the easiest last place pick ever, and they finished fourth. Yeah, and even then they would have come probably finished like second, third in some divisions. They just happened to be in one of the best divisions, maybe the best division in baseball. You know, if yep. there were three playoff teams. Yeah, ahead of them. I think it might be surprising how much, how much first place, how many first place votes, Terry Frank. Yeah, might I get. would agree. It's very funny that Scott Service has the weakest case here. I yeah. don't know. I think Scott Service does get at least one first place vote, though. I will say that. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I think they give it to Francona. Maybe that's just me being a little cynical, or maybe that's me just saying like. I, I have um I think all my other picks are also my predictions for yeah. how it will go down. So I figured I'd have one one change. That's but. fair. Can we can we just like I mean we can't skip it. Can we like quote unquote skip 
and I'll manage of the year. And when I say that, I mean just go through it in three seconds. Sure. Okay. Dave Roberts, Buck Walter, Brian Snedeker, the three managers that won 100 games this year. Rob Thompson, who notably took over the Phillies and transformed them into a playoff team with one of the best records down the stretch, not included. Yeah. Um, Ali Marmol, who you know, overcame the Brewers to win a division in his first year as a manager, not included. Yeah. So yeah, pretty whack. My yeah, it the the Rob I'll, Thompson. I'll take I'll take I guess I'll take I mean, you could definitely argue Dave Roberts because you know, they were they were a one hundred ten win team. You could argue argue Snicker because he overcame a ten and a half game deficit to uh win the NL East. You can argue Showalter because he won hundred one games in his first year with the Mets after they hadn't had a winning record the year before. Um I think they give it I think they give it to Showalter. Mm-hmm. Um, because they love that first year thing. Yeah, true. That's very true. And then, you know, he also improved the most, like the team. Yeah. Like the Dodgers only won what four more games, um, which is so crazy. Yeah, five I think. It was like no, it was one hundred six to one ten. I think it was one eleven. They did win one eleven. You're right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Th- I think. Yeah. I think Thompson should have been on here, even though like. Yeah. I think a part of it was a reactionary thing because the Phillies ended that season. Even Bob Melvin, you could have argued for. Yeah, true. Maybe I wouldn't have put him above any of these guys, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird to put Dave Roberts again. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'll just look at the talent of the team. I don't know if it's the manager really pulling this. I don't think it's because mm-hmm. it's pulling. Did the you strings. see what they did in the playoffs? Obviously, it's not included in the balloting, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll take Showalter. I think it's. I think this is the lamest cast of characters they could have possibly picked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. T- Thompson would have been a good finalist. Just you know, he has a good story, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and like this isn't even bias out of oh he took his team to the World Series. In retrospect, it was better. Like no, he was a good candidate regardless. Yeah. They were they were twenty. Like the Phillies were a laughing stock before he took over. Yeah, they were like the Phillies were an unserious team. Yes, yes. Like they were a human like. A, Literally, Keith Hernandez straight up said, I do not want to be in the booth when the Mets play the Phillies because I don't feel like watching that team. Yeah. Like, that was the Phillies before Rob Thompson took over. Yeah. And, yeah, he changed things and, and, you know, was able to get them to the playoffs after being 22 and 29. And, yeah, good good point by saying unserious team Mm because they were. uh, They were a bit of a a laughing stock. But, yeah. I think he should have been like second, and and Showalter should be first. I would agree. My my argument for Showalter being above him is, I think during the time where Thompson, like during Thompson's tenure, the Mets still did better than the Phillies. So like you know, I I, I put the Mets over, um, and and Buck Showalter over, and yeah, I mean he dealt with some injuries with Max Scherzer and and Jacob Degrom, and was still able to weave his way around that. I know they didn't win the division, but a hundred one. Wins they is, tied. Is is crazy? They yeah. they would have gone to a game one sixty three if it was a different if it was literally any other year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Li- anyway, I don't. That's that award yeah. sucks. <laughs> my pick is Buck Showalter, and my prediction is Buck Showalter. Yeah. Um. On to the American League Cy Young. I want to say Dylan C so bad, man. I, I'm. Tr- I I was looking for all the numbers I could try to find. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Verlander is such a good story. You know, age 39, coming off a Tommy John surgery, and he had the best numbers, too. Um, You know, I'm like, my my Cy Young picks at the beginning of the season were Dylan Cease and Sandy Alcantara. 
One of those will almost certainly come to fruition, the other of which will likely be a runner-up. Yep. Uh, I really wanted to get both of them, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I got Verlander taking this one. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Alec Manoa as well. Yeah. I don't know if I would have put him third, but... No, nah, I wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, he had a good season, but it, peripherally it was not... I don't even think I would have put him first on his own team, but I know the writers don't think like that. Right. In that extreme of a case, at least, because Kevin Gosman had like a 380 uh, BABIP, although yeah. he also did have some pretty bad a batted, bro, batted ball profile. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, Dylan Cease, I, I'll make... I'll make his case uh, before I get into uh, predictions and picks. Uh, Dylan sees he had more innings than Justin Verlander, a similar expected ERA, better average exit velocity against, better sweet spot rate against, and better barrel rate against him. Um, along with that, he didn't ne- get nearly the same help from his defense that Justin Verlander did. The White Sox were 23rd and outs above average. The Astros were second. Um, so you have, you know, Verlander had an elite defense behind him. Uh, Cease had a very below average defense behind him, uh, which kind of probably changed the the earned earned run average luck. Um, Along with that, uh, Dylan Cease led the American League in baseball reference war. Um, And then the case for Verlander is he led the league in ERA and expected ERA uh, among qualifiers. And he had the third best FIP among qualifiers. Along with that, even though Cease had more innings, Verlander was putting in more innings per start. He had 6.3 innings per game started compared to Cease's 5.8. So I think I think that factors in a little bit. You know, yeah. Cease wasn't really able to go deep into games, um, which you know kind of takes away from his candidacy. Uh, ultimately, yeah, I my pick is Justin Verlander. If I was a voter, I'd. I put Justin Verlander down, I and my too. prediction is is Justin Verlander. I think he's going to get like twenty eight first place votes. Mm-hmm. Um, NL Cy Young. Uh, this one should be unanimous, honestly. Yeah, there, I, I think this is probably the only one that will be unanimous. Yeah, I, I didn't even. I didn't really put. Yeah, anything I mean, I down. think. I think if anything, Carlos Rodon or Aaron Nola should have been a finalist. Yeah, I over. just don't have any notes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I mean, it's Sandy Alcantara pretty clearly. You know, he pitched 228 and two-thirds innings this year. That was overwhelmingly more than anybody else. He was also very dominant in doing so, a 228 ERA, as we mentioned, a 299 FIP. Yeah. Uh, he averaged seven innings per start, which is unheard of in yeah. this day and age. I mean, like... Which you know the writers love. A lower a lower ERA than Freed, uh, better peripherals than Arias, and he pitched, like, a... M- Two months more worth of yeah. innings than both of them. Yeah, uh, which is crazy. Um, it's 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 the innings for me. <laughs> it's the innings. It's the run prevention. It's the stuff. It's the low walk rate. The low home run rate. Uh, very high ground ball rate. The very, very low, high ground ball rate. Yeah. Very low line drive rate. Sweet yeah, spot rate. I will I will take Sandy Alcantara gladly, and I will parade my NL Cy Young pick as the eventual winner. Um, you know, we, I feel like we don't usually get those picks correct, so I'm very happy that I completely nailed that yeah, one. Especially those ones. Like, mm-hmm. I, Cy Young I mean, is, yeah, it's not even like I picked Jacob DeGrom and he won. Like, I picked a guy that was not, like, off the grid, but definitely not a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I believe he will be the first Marlon Cy Young winner in franchise history. True. That leaves, I think it's only the Rangers and Rockies that have never had one. 
Um, maybe. The Rockies, <laughs> I can tell you right now, the Rockies have never had a Cy Young, and they probably never will. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah, they just aren't meant to have them. They have they have an MVP. Yep, they do. Shout they out do. to Larry Walker. They do. And uh, Matt Holiday. Yeah, and Matt yeah. Holiday. Matt in, Holiday. What, 2007? Um, yeah, and then and we yeah. go on to... What's been talked about for months and months, yeah. is which is the American, American League, League MVP. MVP. Uh, sorry, Jordan. <laughs> Not you. Um, yeah, it's Judge versus Otani. Um, it, I, it, it sucks that Otani I think had this, a better year than last year. Yeah, I honestly think um, this one's going to be much more of a landslide than people think. I think Judge is getting at least 20 first place votes. Probably 25 yeah. even. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I th- yeah. I think there's a lot of like Otani love on the internet, but I think the voters. Yeah. Like 62 home different. runs in the American League has only happened once. Yep. <laughs> because I know, keep in mind, like the people that vote in the American League MVP exclusively are American League B writers. Yep. True. Like, I know that there's not a whole ton of separation between leagues nowadays, but. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah, like you know, in Odds the, in the t- yeah, none of these writers in their current careers have seen a sixty-two home run season. Yeah, and odds are they saw a Judge home run in one of their <laughs> at one of the games they recovered. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So I have, you know, I have the two cases: Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. Uh, Shohei Otani, he had. Um, Shohei Otani hit and pitched, and Judge hit 62 home runs, <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole case. Um, so with Judge, uh, or with Shohei Otani, um, one second, with Shohei Otani, we, he had 1,326 batter-pitcher interactions, which has a lot of value. Um, Judge had, I think, upper 600 plate appearances, so I mean... Otani had like over 600 more batter pitcher interactions. Also a 145 OPS plus, a 172 ERA plus, uh, 2.40 FIP. You know the obvious point of he takes mm-hmm. up one roster spot as a pitcher and hitter, and he combines to be 117 percent above average. You know 45 percent above average with the OPS, uh, and 72 percent above average with the ERA. Um, you know fantastic and then with Aaron Judge uh, Aaron Judge had one more B war and two more F war than Shohei Otani he had a 211 OPS plus 16 stolen bases three outs above average three defensive runs saved he had the third best arm factor among qualified outfielders he also had 1.8 more BSR than Shohei Otani 16.9 defensive runs above average than Shohei Otani and 2.5 more win probability added than Shohei Otani. That's Shohei Otani's combined win probability added on both pitching and hitting. Combined. Um so so yeah. I think I think there's strong cases for both. Uh Shohei Otani he I, I would say he had a better season than last year. Yeah, definitely in pitching. Definitely in pitching. Maybe not in hitting. Not in hitting, but I feel like in in the combined effort I think yeah. he had a better overall season. I would agree. But that doesn't mean, you know, that he you know, he won MVP last year and he he had a better season this year. That means he gets MVP. Mm-hmm. Obviously the competition changes. 
Um, my pick is uh, Aaron Judge. Yeah. Um, you know, and the voter pick is Aaron Judge. The voter pick, I think, is going to be Aaron yeah. Judge. My thing with that, I this is an internal stat thing, but it, the the combining of of OPS plus ERA plus of being like, you know, Otani was 117 percent above average combined in in the uh, with ERA plus and OPS plus. Judge was 111 percent above average, so Otani had more, but Judge had better base running. He you know, I know, I know, Otani's not going to play defense. That's fine. That doesn't take away anything from him. But we talk about how okay, Otani, Otani pitches. Judge doesn't do that. Judge plays defense. Otani doesn't do that. So I think we do have to factor that for sure. Judge played. Not only did he play defense, but he played pretty good defense. And he had a you know his arm. People know about his arm. Uh, it prevents a lot of runs. Yes. And uh, and yeah, it's it's a factor. So. When you if you if you're factoring Otani's pitching and saying Judge can't do that, um, you also have to factor in Judge's defense, and he also had better base running as well, and obviously the offense. We can talk about that all day. Uh, so yeah, my pick is Aaron Judge, and I think Aaron Judge will take MVP as he heads into free agency. Uh, NL MVP. So this is going to be an interesting one. The finalists are Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, and Manny Machado. Um, yeah. My pick is not what I think the voter pick will be. Does that apply to you as well? Um, no, but I, I don't. I'm not uh, enraged at the idea of no. it not being uh, the guy who. No, I, 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 all three of these guys have a very fair case, and I, I also would be happy for all three of these guys. Like they're all. You know they're all they've all been very dominant players for a while that have never gotten an MVP. True. Um, and I, all three of them I'd be happy for. Uh, my pick is Manny Machado, and the guy I think they give it to is Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, my pick is Paul Goldschmidt. Um, okay. Because I don't know, like it's weird. All <laughs> it's funny. All three of them had much better uh, statistics than their expected statistics, so mm-hmm. I can't even. I can't even take away any of that from them because they all kind of were similar in that sense. Yeah. Um, Manny Machado, his it's weird. He had great outs above average, but he had like negative defensive runs saved, which was odd. So I didn't know what to think of that. Um, and then Nolan Arenado, he had like the most amazing defense. He had like 19 defensive runs saved. He was 99th percentile outs above average. But, you know, he had over 100 points less OPS than Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Goldschmidt also, I think, was the leader or elite, the leader among the nominees in uh, win probability added, which is a good factor. He hit, he hit better with runners in scoring position than both those players. And, you know, I mean, I, maybe it's just an old school take, but, like, you know, even if the war is not – even if the war is a, a few decimal points off – you value the offensive player a little more than the than the defensive heavy player because mm-hmm. I don't know maybe it's just that's fair it takes less brain work for me but I don't know it just works out that way so my pick is Paul Goldschmidt uh, my prediction yeah is Paul I mean Goldschmidt. I will not be outraged at any of any order of these three yeah or any winner yeah me neither um, I, there's no real obvious pick for me no um, and yeah shout out Freddie Freeman I think shout out Freddie Freeman he was he. Also had a seven-win season, like all, all three of them, um, and his, and his expected statistics were better than all of them. But you know, 
I, I don't uh, really value. Expenses. Shout out to Francisco Lindor who changed the narrative in in the Big Apple. Yep. Uh, he put up a six point eight win season. Shout out to Mookie Betts who kept doing his thing. JT um, Real. I was literally the next person I was going to say. Like, shout out to him. Shout out to Trey Turner, Jeff like, McNeil, Dansby Swanson. I don't know. I don't know if like maybe it's a conver- conversation for another day. But like being that much better than the rest of your position, I feel like also brings a certain amount of value. Mm-hmm. Like you, Trey, well, I mean, we uh, do we also just listed Francisco Lindor unless you're counting him as a second baseman. Um. Oh, JT uh, Real Muto, we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. No, that's actually very fair. Yeah. Like, Especially in a year where so many of the top catchers heading into the air just severely declined. Yeah. Like the you know the the debate for number one catcher was a toss up between Real Muto and Rosmani Grandal this year, and they had polar opposite seasons. Salvador Perez obviously was hurt for a long time. You know, he didn't follow up his his forty home run season very well. He was hurt. He didn't hit as well. Yeah. Um, Will Smith was good. But Will he Smith take, was decent. He didn't take that like step up. Yeah. Uh, Mike Zanino got hurt pretty early and really yeah. didn't perform to expectation. Like in a year where the catching market changed drastically, JT Realmuto was really the one constant. Stepped up and I mean, probably like, you know, if you don't have him, obviously the Phillies aren't making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, Freddie Freeman. He's. I was looking at his savant page. It's great. He's like a career like forty two percent sweet spot rate, which is um, I hope 9% Dal- above average. This is random, but I really hope Dalton Varsho gets some MVP votes. That would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Very fun. Like a, a little MVP dash eighteen on his baseball yeah. reference page. Yeah, yeah, dude. Even if it's just like a one tenth place vote from a Arizona writer, like yeah. Honestly, that'll probably happen. I don't see why not. Right. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah made history yeah he made history he did um all right well uh anything more before we wrap up um no i think that's it all right yeah that should do it for this installment of above replacement radio we hope you enjoyed this one um we uh if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter acris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore curran and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio we hope to see you next time where we will be talking. We'll, we'll definitely be talking about. We'll be uh, recapping some, all those awards. We'll be recapping the awards and we'll talk about some Hall of Fame most yeah. likely. Because uh, one of the biggest era committee. The biggest. The not biggest, one of. The biggest era committee uh, Hall of Fame vote is up and coming. So yes, it is. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation. Is over. Is over. <laughs>